Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. I am MC Anime and I have a special guest with me today. MC Anime, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Jeff Aiken. I'm the host of the Starfleet Leadership Academy, which teaches leadership development through the lens of Star Trek. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts, YouTube, anywhere else, or you can find me at jeffaiken.com. That's A-K-I-N. And I'm across all the social medias at Jeff T. Aiken. And uh, I'm really excited that you invited me to be here today. Yeah, it's really exciting as well. So, through the lens of Star Trek, what does that mean, first of all? <laughs> well, you know, I think, and, and I say this as an old white dude, right, but I think that when you have people teaching leadership, it's like always a white old dude wearing a stuffy suit with, like, just these massive books, and it's so boring, and it's just the worst thing ever. And so I think, like, you put a lens in front of things, right? Like, I'm going to look at a thing in a certain way. I love Star Trek. I love it. It's the best thing ever. And so I try to take a thing I love so I can teach leadership, which is another thing I love, but teach it in a fun way that like people can relate to, that makes sense. And it's not just some stuffy, boring dude telling you the you know, 38 irrefutable laws of management theory you know, or some boring thing. I don't know. Star Trek keeps it fun and I think a lot more relatable for, for most people out there. Yeah, I think for me, Star Trek has been one of the genres that, like, to me, Star Trek is better than Star Wars. Not because wow, it's Star- shots fired. That's <laughs> right out of the gate. You're going. <laughs> the reason why I connect with Star Trek more than Star Wars. Star Wars are more movie based, while the Star Trek series have not only have the movie success but also the TV show aspect as well. So the TV series dives more into what Star Trek is and the mission and everything a part of the universe applying to Star Trek. So they have more room to branch out the story building and how it incorporates different aspects of that uh, genre for me. I agree, because like you think about Star Wars, right, and so three movies is probably, you know, what, I don't know, six hours or whatever worth of of content, you know. One series of Star Trek is usually seven seasons long. That's like 150 hours in there, right? So you can just do a lot deeper dives. They can explore cooler things. And and honestly, I think we're seeing some of that in Star Wars now that Disney's making Star Wars for TV, and they're diving into some stuff a little better. But I think... Like, people, man, people get mad. They get really mad on the Star Trek versus Star Wars thing. But I always say, like, I love, I love them both, but yeah. for totally different reasons. Star Wars Star Wars is high fantasy. Yeah. It just happens to be with laser swords and, and spaceships, you know, instead of dragons and swords and, and the Force yeah. instead of magic. Star Trek, Star Trek is science fiction, period. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, totally different things. I think it's okay to love both of them. Yeah, I think it. I personally connect with Star Trek in a way that I didn't connect with Star Wars. Like, I like Star Wars. The fantasy was really nice, but it also had a lot of uh, elements in story building. But also, the likability of the characters. Also, you know, they broke records when they f- launched the first episodes and. They, you know, have, like, testaments to that and all that good jazz as well. Yeah, which is super cool. I think, but I think, but I also, yeah, on the fantasy and sci-fi thing, I think they set out to do different things, right? So Star Wars set out to be the space fantasy space opera, you know, almost kind of a big, uh, epic space thing where Star Trek was literally created. The whole, they they called it, um, what would they call it? Wagon train to the stars. You know, so it was almost like an old 
these TV Western sort of a thing, but done in space. And then Gene Roddenberry, when he did it, his intent was to paint a future, like a better future than what most of us are, you know, especially in the late 60s, a better future than what people were experiencing. So it's, and then that's, that's continued, you know, we're, we're in like 55 some odd years of Star Trek now, approaching 60 years of Star Trek. And that's still what it tries to do. It tries to paint a picture of a more hopeful and better future for everyone. Yeah, I think the inspiration, what Star Trek is, and the uh, the the representation of bonding and team building, and how that we are not one, but we all are together. So we are united on that front. Yeah, and that's so much what led me to like combining leadership and Star Trek. I like to, I like to, so what really happened was I, so I'm a manager by trade. That's what I, I, I do and I've done for well over 20 years now, um, which is horrifying to say. That's it's a long time. <laughs> but uh, but I was in a meeting with this group a couple of years ago and it was, it was a terrible, terrible place to work. The culture was really bad and I was brought in to try and help fix it. And we had the same, we had the same meeting every day. We met for two hours and we talked about the exact same things. And like six days in, I just had enough. And I was like, I want meetings like Captain Kirk has meetings. You know, issue, discussion, decision, action, boom, 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 boom. And I, and I just wanted those things to happen and I wanted us to function as a team. But what I like to say is that I walked into a meeting trying to be a leader and one of my colleagues walked into the team carrying a jar of Star Trek. And when they came together, the peanut butter and the chocolate formed to make, re- I mean, <laughs> they, made, they, made the, they made the Starfleet Leadership Academy. <laughs> okay. So let's go through, uh, you just mentioned it, the, uh, the three or four branches of what is the model that you use from Star Trek that you wanted in the office. Yeah, so so meetings, so for people, a lot of people work in, in places where they don't have to worry about meetings very much. Now, I'm not going to lie, I'm envious of you. Um, in my in my work that I do for uh, my, my regular work and then in my augment work, it's all meetings, all the time. And now in this COVID world, that means I sit and I stare at a laptop screen for like 10 hours a day with this big light shining in my face all the time. And those meetings are so, they're horrible. So it's, it's four things that make up a great meeting, right? There's an issue, something that, something that comes up. Then there's discussion. You get input from everyone on the team. Then you make a decision. <laughs> and that's the part that's really lacking. There's always, there's a lot of issues. Everybody's happy to talk about stuff. But then this is where the hump happens. You make a decision. And then finally, you take action on that decision. So issue, discussion, decision, action. Okay, let me think of an example of this. So we would just say I had to do a Discord meeting of of silver, you know, Discord silver leaders. So there was this team, five different servers coming together, including me. I was representative of another server. And they had like a plan for it, but everything went a mess. They didn't like his approach and how he did it. He stayed to one, two, three, four. This is how we're going to do it. Now we're doing one, we're going to do two. Now if we start decide two, we're going to decide three, and then four. He, he organized it pretty good. But there's in between where he as the tournament host they wanted this big grand championship tournament it failed to realize that the discussion aspect step two wasn't done to go to step three for the decision because he wanted step three for the voting and the voting couldn't happen when the discussion was still happening. Like, we were still presenting ideas, and it was actually me organizing, like, okay, let's do it like this, and have a re-vote on it. So, we had different ideas, we finally, like, put a vote to it, gave it, like, two days to vote, came back, said that the the decision is now done, this is what we're doing. There was a lot of issues, they were all over the place, that took more time. I, I don't... 
the issues probably took actually the issues took less than the discussion the discussion was more than the issues okay the discussion also had issues with inside <laughs> yep <laughs> the fourth step we basically did the evaluation did the action associated which was the voting and concluding everything but yeah we because like there's different kinds of meetings right sometimes there's a meeting where i know what i want to have happen and i just need to get everybody together to tell them what's going to happen but, here, but here's what a lot of people do and it, like your story reminded me of this where like i'm just going to tell people what to do that's going to happen but i want them to feel like they had a say in it so i see yep, so i'm going to make up the whole thing and say here's the issue and uh, and we're going to vote on it and you can talk about it but at the end of it okay great this is what we're doing and but you know because they want to feel like they included everybody but i think like when you have someone who knows how to run a meeting and captain kirk captain picard there's no one better than those two but here's the issue and then we're having discussion and other issues come up because that happens right you're like cool capture that we're not talking about it now we're talking about this thing we'll talk about that later right that can be another another thing but uh yeah oh my gosh i i just for me that was a moment where i'm like this this sci-fi TV show is teaching me how to effectively run a meeting better than like the courses I spent hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars to learn how to effectively facilitate a meeting or whatever. No, I, I learned it by watching TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, like, I want to do like mass communications for like a major. Mm-hmm. One of the aspects is the production meeting. Like everyone gets yes. together and actually discussing what they want to do. They bring up all the issues. We need the releases for the property, the talent releases, the songwriting, the uh, animation for the episode if you do an anime, the soundtrack, you know, the this person doing photography. We need to shoot the shots. How are we going to do it? And, you know, and then the decision or the discussion happens. It's like, how do we make this idea, how we shoot this in a way that's good? Or, and then you go to the uh, discuss, decision. Well, the person that's going to have like the top in discussion decision, they take the input as the director or the, the head producer. So yep. they're really taking everything they absorb into one informed decision. And also the person financing it, you know, that's also another person that needs agreement. And then they do the action and they implement it. But usually all of that's like several meetings, so it's like the same setup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I worked in TV for quite a few years and did some production. Um, eventually, I was able to do some production. And it's that is like, there's like 10 little meetings that happen. Like, there's the one where, like, we're going to shoot ideas around a story. There's one over here about, we're going to, you know, how are we going to set up casting? And this one over here on what a costume's going to look like or art direction or things like that. And then the producer, director are plugging into all those. Yes, this. No, that. Boom, boom, boom. And then they bring all that together in one last final production or storyboard walkthrough where the, it's, it's a meeting right but it's not we're not we're this is action right there the issue is everything happened in these other meetings the issue is we have a storyboard the discussion is me telling you what's going to happen the decision is you raising your hand saying you know hey here's a problem i didn't think of and then action is doing it and that was always my favorite meeting because it's just like literally here's our run sheet you know and i'm going to talk you through the whole episode here is everything that's happening questions concerns whatever and then boom executing it happens yeah i really like that aspect because uh I've actually got the experience to work with Production Notebook, so it's uh, it's pretty interesting. We had a lot of meetings discussing what we were doing, the progress that we were making. Uh, you know, that aspect was kind of cool. You know, I dressed up as a wolf in the woods. But was, That's like, awesome. And filmed the cameras, so like I had like one small part, but everything else was just behind the camel and foot stepping and backtracking the bridge and everything 
but you know, I think a big, so a lot happened there, right? In that scene one, that's awesome. I love that that happened for you, but like someone had to go out and scout a location. Someone had to make sure there was lighting. They had to block a shot. They had to do all, make sure a white balance was set on the camera. All these things had to go down for that to happen. But what another thing Star Trek teaches and that I talk a lot about when I, when I help coach and develop people as leaders is there. And these people, I've worked with some of these directors out there who will get involved in every single little step out there, right? They're going to have a tape measure out when you're blocking the shot. They're going to make sure that all that. And that's, that's terrible when that happens. There's a core thing where you just have to trust Trust your. Prof- I'm going to trust my camera op to do what they need to do. I'm going to trust my principal director, my, 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 my director of photography here to know what they're doing, my DP, all those things. And that's, again, going back to Star Trek. Like, you don't see Captain Picard or Captain Janeway telling someone how to load torpedoes into the torpedo tubes. They're just like, hey, you, you know what's up. You go do your thing. I trust you to do your thing. Yeah. And also, you know, a good director... Like, the one thing a director needs to know, from my perspective, you can't t- you can't be everywhere at once. Yeah. You design the sick to this day to check this department. Spend that day in that department. Get caught up. And if you see problems, address it. Yeah. You go to the next department. The next day is totally different. You spin up, like, if or if you want to be involved in multiple departments in the same day, Break up your day, and that's a that's meaningful. That's like scheduled for like okay, I'm coming at this time. Do what you got. Da 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 da. Yeah, because I'm a hundred percent sure there's productions out there where the director did try to be everywhere at the same time. And you and I, we've never seen those productions because they took 26 years to get done. They went over budget and someone finally shut them down because it's just not possible to run it that way. And I think like there's a lot of phases to that, right? A good producer, a good director, one trusts the people they're working with, but also like you've planned everything a good production whether whether it's live action whether it's animation whether it's it's, it's whatever it, it's basically just project management right it's just what are our tasks what are our resources what are our dependencies and then we execute our project plan that's oh yeah it's really all it is with a ton of artistic creation in the middle of it right but it's just it's just boring pembok project management principles that make it all happen it's just like how i came into the podcast i've like been a big anime nerd for years, but never really had a medium to, to express it. Went to blogging, found that to be very tedious. Tried live streaming, that was a different tedious with presentation making, because I was filming, I wasn't filming myself. Instead, the visual aid was a PowerPoint that I made to guide the audience when they viewed the, pot, the live stream. Then I found, I gave that a break. And then missed the, what, what it, the live stream did for me, went to podcasting. You know what I love about podcasting? Like, I love it. I, I started podcasting when, in the middle, there was my pandemic project. Like, hey, I don't have a commute anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out. But I think it's so effective because all the other mediums, they're great, right? Like, people enjoy live streams. It's fine blogs. People read them all the time. But... When you go back to the beginning of time, like our caveman brains, you know, or whatever, we were all about sitting around a fire and talking to each other, yep. telling stories and going back and forth. And that's why I love a podcast. It's the way we're like, I can sit here in my studio and I can tell my story. I can share some knowledge or whatever. And then we gather around the, the fireplace of Spotify, you know, or whatever, and all listen to the thing together. And then it because of the social media we can then interact you know with, I don't know I just think podcasting is such a cool What's, medium okay yeah it's a, it's a really niche community and the people who listen to it the attention the retention rate is super high because the ones who are interested listen all the way through yep. or at least halfway majority stuff like yeah. that well, I think like to it what I do more. What I do, I, I, I watch an episode of Star Trek, 
which is awesome. That's part of my job. I love that. But I watch an episode of Star Trek, and I'm like, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. But on the podcast, I walk people through the episode because there are over 820 episodes. I don't expect people to remember everything. And then I give a little bit of like my commentary on it, and then I break down the leadership lessons. I have one um, that recently released where I do this really deep dive into uh, the eight deadly wastes of lean um, lean management principles, which sounds so boring and stuff, but I get to tell it, I get to tell it through, uh, chief O'Brien's experiences on deep space nine, which is cool. But, but it's like, you know, my, my episodes are between about, you know, on average about half an hour long. I try to keep them really short, but no one's going to sit and listen or read a thing. that's 30 minutes. If it's boring, you know, or whatever. And that's what's cool about podcasting. You can make it exciting and fun and people do, they really engage. And then I love when I have an episode go out and then like, I have them go, they release while I'm still asleep because I'm on the West Coast Pacific time. And so, you know, I want it to go across. And so I literally wake up to like tweets and DMs and stuff and Instagram people being like, you're an idiot. What are you thinking? Or, oh my gosh, I've never, I've never thought of it that way. Thanks for looking at it. And I'm just like, this is so cool. <laughs> so that's brings me to another question. What is that uh, file, uh, stories about the file moment in Star Trek? Oh, wow. So one of my favorite ones is in the movie Star Trek V, uh, The Final Frontier, where McCoy, Kirk, and Spock are literally sitting around a campfire singing, row, row, row your boat. Oh. But here's where I go deep. Don't worry, MC. I'm, I got you. I got you. This goes deep, and it's good. Star Trek V is heralded as basically the worst Star Trek movie ever made. Um, and, and it's hard to disagree with that if you take it at surface level. It's kind of ridiculous. It's sort of fun, but kind of ridiculous. I think that they're out camping, and the line in Row, Row, Row the Boat, right, is uh, life is but a dream. So I think the whole movie is Captain Kirk's dream. It's not real. It's just him dreaming. Now, I want people to go out and watch Star Trek V, and I want them to think of that. This is just Captain Kirk dreaming. And all of a sudden, it becomes like the greatest Star Trek movie. <laughs> One of them. It's not, yeah, True. not the I would imagine him thinking like that it would be like, huh, this is what he liked. This is what the mind of this captain is like and it's like well maybe it's not half bad because it's on the maybe it's on the basis of someone's imagination coming to fruition <laughs> yeah yeah but i think also like when when you think about you know telling stories around the fire in the in the star trek thing i think that really happens in a lot of ways in either the holodeck episodes that happen or or in the meetings again, where people are sitting around this time a conference room table, you know, instead of a fire, but they're all sharing their input on a thing or a story. There, there's a terrible episode of Star Trek. There are a lot of terrible episodes of Star <laughs> Trek. You don't make 820 episodes and knock them all out of the park. Yeah. But this one's inf infamous. First season, Next Generation, called Code of Honor. And uh, it's it's blatantly racist and poorly written. Like it's, it's there's a lot to there's a lot of not good. But there's one cool moment where they're trying to problem solve around this race of really aggressive aliens, um, and they're all sitting around the, the table telling stories about like ancient Chinese dynasties and how that lines up with current diplomatic you know relations in the world of Starfleet. And it's like it's just literally all these people kind of telling stories. And then Captain Picard listening and being like, "Okay, thanks, thanks for all that. Here's my decision. This is how we're going to deal with it." <laughs> I don't recommend watching the episode. I'll just tell you, there's a couple cool moments. Don't watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Jeff here says, "Save the pain to watch a particular episode," and this is one of them. Yeah. I'll take that phaser blast for you. That's what I do. <laughs> he's like, he's like super dramatic, and he went for the phaser blast. They blast him, but he's in slow motion, and he's just right. gets blasted. No. Going slow in real time. So the, the, his uh, feeling for pain is still in the moment. He feels everything, but it's prolonged because he's in slow motion. It just keeps going. He feels the same pain for longer. <laughs> 
we're going to do this at 300 frames per second. We're going to see how you feel, how you like that. Oh, <laughs> I hate when they purposely slow it down so much. Like, I, I get it from, like, uh, if it's moving super fast, they have to speed it down so much. But, like, the slow down dramatic effect is so overused. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so and so much of 90s Star Trek was shot digitally, and digital it wasn't great at that point, you know, and so when they slow it down, it's, it's got all these artifacts, and it just looks really bad, and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it, ugh, ugh. Yeah, and also, I guess, actually, the different cameras, like analog, digital, P2, like, this is the, uh, the big studio cameras with a big cord going across. Yep. Like, I can't... And then we also had, believe it or not, VHR set up to put the tapes from the old analog cameras into the editing program. It's like... Yeah. Oh, um, you know... People, I, I, this, this is, I'm going to sound like an old man here, I can't help it, but, uh, so on top of everything else, I'm a, I'm a musician, and in the mid-90s, that was my job, I lived as a drummer down in San Diego, and I was with a band, and we recorded a record, and it was moderately successful, mostly down in Mexico, it was cool, but to record digitally costs hundreds of thousands of dollars like that was a super high end like nobody so we 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 bought tape we recorded on tape and it didn't seem weird to me that's just what it was but like i i can look back and i remember our engineer like literally splicing tape together and cutting stuff to, like you hear the term cutting room floors because they were physically cutting this tape for stuff but the tape we had to buy was so expensive and it came in like i don't i don't remember how long 30 minute reels or whatever so we got done and we had like six minutes of extra tape and that equated out to like I don't know, 400 bucks worth of tape. And so we weren't about to let that go to waste. And I don't know, it's just, it's so different. Whereas now, like literally you go buy a computer off the shelf at Best Buy yeah. and you can, we can record a whole record. Never having even learned how to play an instrument. We were recording on cassette tapes. And yeah. these cassette tapes, what we actually were able to do in the camera, we were able to delete the audio or the footage on the tape. So basically, you have you can reuse the tape if you already uploaded the footage. Okay. Because if you already uploaded, it's on the timeline. You saved it as a project. Because this was analog with new technology. Right, analog did, did a sort of digital version then. Yeah, or yeah. But we had to. You still use the VCR, cook enough, and put the tape. Yeah. So my. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to give props to my TV production teacher because she kept up like 13 editing suites and kept doing the maintenance on them for like 10 years. Wow! So like she still had like the first editor suite that she ever had, or they ever had in the studio. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I think that's cool, though, because I think, like, I don't know, and again, if you have that experience, like, you know, and I think it's like what people aren't necessarily hearing or seeing as you're describing this is these aren't just necessarily like your old school VHS tapes. Like, these were, these were chunky, right? These were things you put them in. These are like even bigger than VHS tapes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and getting that stuff in there, like, but you you learn those fundamentals, right? Of okay, I got to take my gotta split this. I got my video, got my audio. I got to put it here. I can manipulate. Then you get to these awesome editors we have today, right? With Audition and, and whatever else. And I go, oh, yeah, this is. I understand all the theory here, and it's so much easier. Yeah, I've, I, I, you know what? Maybe I need to take a tour, and like film being restored kind of thing because that, that's yeah. the process from like old film in like 1910 the wheel and the film and wheel to me is like it's just like the first medium of that technology and it's pretty magical when when i was a kid i worked uh i worked as a projectionist movie theater and uh and for people who don't know like Movies didn't used to just be digital. They used to come on film. <laughs> That's why I had a projectionist to put it together. But I don't know, maybe in like the 70s, 
70s or 80s we started putting a film on uh, polyester type, type of a type of a, a thing so it was stretchy it was fine it wasn't flammable really high quality really durable but prior to that movies that you'd watch in the theater were on acetate uh, which is highly flammable and brittle and uh and, and the light bulbs yep. in those projectors shoot like 8,000 watts so it was not uncommon for just these yeah. horrifying fires to break out while you're watching some of this old stuff. I remember watching the Library of Congress Modern Marvels episode. And mm-hmm. were going through like different forms of media that they like trying to was preserve at the uh, Library of Congress. So they like have we have this medium, we have we have you know the digital print, the physical print being digitally modified and. All these tapes, they find all these parts have to replace all these old, old converter type things to transform the media or the object. And one of those tapes was like, oh yeah, by the way, we had to keep these tapes in conditions that don't catch on fire. And we have a process in which if there's smoke, they'll they'll put all the fire out and only hit that object. Yep. So that everything, cold rooms and pursuing it and... They were in the process of converting everything to digital format on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes it accessible, makes it so you can save it. Well, yeah, I think too, like a lot of um, a lot of like the classic TV and stuff from the eighties and some of the seventies and stuff. The stuff where they shot it on either low quality film or they started shooting it digitally. Yeah. There's been real efforts to restore those, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 it's it's like they did that with Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like they did a full restore of it, HD. They also did a restore of a lot of the original series Star Trek from the '60s. And they said what was interesting is just because of the technology of it, the stuff they did in the '60s was easier to work on than the Next Generation stuff they did in the '80s because they tried to like upgrade the tech or whatever in there. But I don't know. I just find it fascinating nowadays where we are actively trying to either restore old media, you know, into things, or where, worst case, remaking it because um, there's a, there was way too much of that happening. I think in TV, of, oh, we're just going to remake, we're going to re- remake this classic that was perfect before, and yeah. call it Cowboy Bebop and see how that works live action. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> I, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop wasn't bad as a live action series on Netflix. It was actually six out of ten for me. You know, yeah, it, it had good plot. It, it did decently with the plot. You know, it just. I think of it. I like video games, right? And so Mass Effect. A lot of people liked Mass Effect, and I love the original trilogy. Andromeda. I, I enjoyed it. I feel like Andromeda was a great game. It just wasn't a very good Mass Effect game. I think live action Cowboy Bebop was a great series. It just wasn't great Cowboy Bebop, yeah, yeah. right? Like, like yeah, sure, yeah, like flat. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's also the, the most of that uh, that media when you did it to animation type, it's really hard to capture that, that trashinary adaptation or, you know, whatever fifth adaptation down the line to capture that. Because usually the secondary is good enough. When you get to the other types of adaptation, it's, it's really more difficult. Yeah. Well, you and your crew just had a really great episode recently about just kind of the history of anime and how the uh, animation styles have evolved and, and grew. I really enjoyed that. But I thought about it in terms, like, in, so Star Trek has three animated series now. Um, there's one from the 70s, and they have two in production right now. They're very different styles. But the one in the 70s was uh, one of the, the, the studio, was it Fun, Funmation? Or what, so just super low quality, super cheap, just running through and uh but like some of the backgrounds and the stuff and some of the set pieces they had are gorgeous they're amazing and they just have these like chunky blocky weird yeah you know animation things that are awesome they're awesome to look at i think the visual appeals well just well live action and animation together are two different ball fields like, the creativity you can do in animation is more than what you can do in live action. Mm-hmm. But because of live action aspect, people connect with it a lot more. Sometimes has better success than an animation project is the simple fact that 
it's real people. Yeah. And that connection is very key into, like, Western society a lot more. Like, just yeah. dom- pretty many dominated by animation and manga. And then they have the live action. Doesn't do so well, but, like, they were producing it for a Japanese audience. So, and there's also a smaller audience, so their demographic, they have a very tight budget, so you can't really expect, like, you can't expect the CGI in Hollywood. Right. So those special effects are very limited, but what they capture more than what the Western society captures is the acting, they sell the acting more because of the tight budget. And the director relationship with the co-workers is that you do this, you have no choice. You have no personal, you have no personal way to do it except the way I'm doing it. Because they have a big vision, they want to have everything flowing. Yeah, and I think, I think it's one of the hard things with the animation, specifically, is... Live action, right? In fact, there's a, there's some classic scenes. So, you know, one of the newer Star Trek series, Discovery, um, controversial for some uh, in there. But in its first season, they mentioned Elon Musk. They're like, you know, as this visionary. They're like, you know, these great visionaries like Zephram Cochran, the guy who invented warp speed. You know, Elon Musk, and they had him in that whole thing. It was pretty controversial. And people are like, whoa, they're really soon you think to be making that call well the actor just improv that mostly because he wanted to get a free tesla <laughs> and he's like hey i threw this thing in there but with an- animation and especially i think uh anime that's done in multiple languages no these are the words you say this is what it is we can't afford to go in and resync anything you say this now period so it's like variations and dubbing that they do but that's under the discretionary of the company. When like mm-hmm. animation comes in, they want to do the English dub. They have it subbed, but they bring it over the English dubbing. Well, there is some variation to changing. Like some, there's like there's changing in the process of doing that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really under the decision of the license holder and whoever's in charge of the production to okay. go away from that. Like, let's say the original. They said, I love you, and then they say, I really like you. Let's spend more time together. Like, those two different things can be said, mean the same thing. But sometimes American society, or just Western in general, adds things on, just adds things in there. Whether or not part of it, like Astro Boy. Astro Boy has a girlfriend. Astro Boy in the original series didn't have a girlfriend. Well, I think Stuff the one. Yeah, I was thinking of the one like in the '90s, the the English dub for Sailor Moon, where like two of the Sailor Guardians were actually in a relationship yeah. in there, but in the Western dub, they were cousins because we're just not quite ready for that, you know. And, but now they have a, they've done a new dub of it that's come out recently, and yeah, they're they're totally in a relationship, and it's all. But yeah, yeah, definitely that cultural uh, license. They gave, like, vibes that they like each other in a, like, weird, intimate way, and it just gave Wolf vibes. <laughs> it was super uncomfortable, like, watching, because my introduction was the newer stuff, and so watching the older dub, I'm just like, this is really weird. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love, one of the things I love about animation, like, and again, I'm, I'm going to go to Star Trek, it's where I go, but live action, it's cool, I can look at this person, I can relate to him, whatever, but... I'm serving on a starship with 1,100 people on it. Like, it should be packed, and there should be all this activity going on and weird-looking people and all this stuff, but there's not because every person who's on there costs me money. If they're going to be an alien, I've got to put them through makeup and a costume design and all that. Animation... I want to have a, I just draw a bunch of people. I do it. And then, and then I can have a really skilled voice actor be various voices, right? And, and block a couple in. So like a starship, for example, the Star Trek Lower Decks is one of the newer um, animated series. And like the ship just feels so lived in and authentic and real because it's animated and all this activity is happening. Oh, yeah. Super cool. And I think that's the 
the threshold where the two mediums differ. You know, one doesn't like uh, they if they do it to large scale. Like if, like for example, Marvel when they lo did the original content on Disney Plus with uh, these uh, newly founded uh, Marvel Studios. <clears throat> well, like to shoot six episodes of Loki and try to do very detailed each episode would have cost it just if they did the detail like they did Endgame or Infinity War yeah that that literally if they did that every episode would be an Endgame in the budget series so right. they can't afford to do that so that's why they cap it at the six hour mark which is not bad you know it's, it's enough content to enjoy it Though I want more, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's hard. Like, in Star Trek, the, the most recent stuff, they either have 13 or 15 episode seasons, for the most part. Same reason. Like, they're making these just gorgeous, gorgeous episodes that have to cost just unbelievable amounts of money. So they have to be responsible with it. Back in the 90s... 26 episode seasons and so you get some you get some of these throwaway episodes where you get to like you get to know more about wharf you know or you get to go let picard be a private eye on the holodeck or whatever and they're kind of dumb and fun but you connect with the characters and i feel like that's what's missing in like this you know golden age or a plus you know tv is it make the stories are awesome they look incredible but I think we're actually missing some of those personal connections. Really good example, like on my podcast, talking about leadership development. When I watch an old episode of Deep Space Nine or The Next Generation, like my episode of Deep Space Nine I was talking about, I do a whole deep dive into a thing because of Chief O'Brien, you know, one, one of the kind of extra characters, not extra, but, you know, not, not main characters on there. I could never do that with Discovery because, like, they're not main characters in a 13-episode arc get, like, eight minutes of screen time total, yeah. you know, because they're focused on their main story. Social theory that is like, huh, let's do this theory. Is this Easter egg pointing to something bigger in the universe that we didn't think about? Yeah, totally. Do you do those episodes? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because I think... I think that what Star Trek has gotten bigger, right? And there's been more things. I think what we've learned is like everything we think we know about the future through Star Trek is from one one ship <laughs> in the whole galaxy. And so there's there's a whole yeah. So like they mentioned this one little thing, and there's probably a whole other series they could build off that one tiny little thing they said. This whole other world out there and stuff. So yeah, sometimes I like to go and just like. So I wonder if I said this, and if that means there's this, and if that means there's this, there's also this. That's yeah, fun to do that. And is there also like graphic novels or like comic books? Like books? so. There have been uh, – so books, novels have been uh, a big part of the Star Trek universe since the late uh, 60s, early 70s. There are hundreds upon hundreds of them and some really, really good ones. But comics, comics became integral in the 70s because Star Trek was done. They had the original series. And then the animated series, that didn't last long. So by like 73, 74, Star Trek was not on TV except syndication. But it's kept alive through comic books for a long time. And a lot of the comic book success they had is part of what led to them getting into movies when Star Trek The Motion Picture came out in the late 70s. And they still do. Um, what's neat is through the 90s and 2000s, the aughts have been there. The comic books were kind of like, hey, so here's the story on TV. We're going to tell this slightly to the side story that's, you know, we can take some liberties or do whatever. But what they're doing now is just so much more cohesive is they're filling in some of those blanks where I don't get 26 episodes of a thing, but they're going to write a four, you know, comic, four, four, episode, four issue comic arc on this side character who did a thing, which is it's just it's a really cool way of utilizing all the different media. You know, you probably need to do it, like, once you reach to the, like, maximum point of episode-wise, I really think you need to do, like, a timeline of Star Trek, of the of all adaptations, of all the books. This movie is this, on this timeline, trying to, like, I don't know, that'd be, like, 
Um, that, that sounds like a three-part series to me. Right. Well, there's so there's uh, someone did an infographic of like three timelines. So like there's the prime timeline that you know we watch on that's on TV in the movies. Then there's the the mirror timeline, like those classic mirror episodes where Spock had a goatee, you know, and like everybody was evil and stuff. And then they also have the the two thousand Star Trek two thousand nine and you know Into Darkness and the, that timeline. So they kind of chart out what that looks like and stuff. And and even just with those three. It's super confusing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw someone who did the uh, DC Animated Universe timeline. Oh, wow. Wow. Power. And I was like, uh, okay. All these adventure stories apparently are in the timeline. Batman the Animated Series. Batman Adventures. Super Spider-Man. No, that's Spider-Man. Uh, Superman Adventures. All that. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, growing up, like I was, I was always a Marvel kid when I grew up, and it collected all those. And it, we, so when I was collecting, we had the Amazing Spider-Man and we had the Spectacular Spider-Man, and they were totally different, but they were both Spider-Man. And we didn't. I don't. I don't think pop culture had like we weren't mature enough yet, you know, to understand kind of you know the the Infinite Earths theory of DC or whatever. It was just kind of like, whoa, this is really confusing. <laughs> but we had people who loved. Amazing people who love the and then on the DC side there was like there was Batman, there was Dark Knight, there was Detective. There were like three or four different actively written Batman comics at the same time, all different timelines, all different genres, and oh, it was confusing. Oh yeah, it can be confusing. Uh, comics have, let's just say DC and Marvel. DC is really known for the reboots. Mm-hmm. Seven plus, where like Marvel has like four or five major reboots. So like, people get mad at that with the DC, or they just keep using some fellow to explain this reboot, and it's like, eh. Yeah, and in Marvel's defense, a lot of the reboots are, are pretty modern age things. You know, I I remember, I, I um, oh my gosh, when the X-Men movies were coming out back in the early 2000s, they were just garbage. Um, I, I kind of checked out of the world a little. Like, that really turned me off to, to, the, to a lot of the world. And then a lot, a lot happened. And then Iron Man came out, right? And we're heading towards stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, like there were like two and a half resets between this moment moment this whereas dc back in the 80s they were rebooting and had the different earths that was part of what dc was was yeah we're gonna have six different storylines and seven different worlds with eight different characters and that's just what we do like it's your, it's your problem if you can't figure this out uh, at least we're lucky that star Trek doesn't have a reboot necessarily do they have i know well, the 2009 movies, uh, you know, the J.J. The Abrams, the Kelvinverse are kind of a reboot, but they're a reboot in a way that explains it in a Star Trek, a Star Trek manner, With right? And, and, and I'll... And I, in a warm hole and now in the future. Yeah, with red red matter so yeah they they blow up a thing and whatever and it, it's it's star trekky right you know this one little thing happened which causes a splinter in time that goes across and mm. i don't know I, I i like how they did it. i enjoy those new movies quite a bit uh i'm disappointed i don't think there's going to be more of them i'm disappointed but also eh, it was fun and it's a thing you can do in the star trek universe like it it fits the rules you know well, yeah, and with the, I think the continuity of Star Trek is pretty successful too. Yeah, I, it makes sense. It's like they they explain it well enough that people can follow along. Like they don't have to go back. It's like, uh, what did I just miss? Yeah, there's there's. The rules, the rules are easy, right? And I think like they establish canon or whatever. And if you're an uber geek like me, you get into that stuff and you get into the details. But you don't have to. You don't have to, you know. And and I think one of the things I like about, especially modern Star Trek, is they know what they are, you know. And so like one of the new series they have, an animated series, is called Star Trek Prodigy. It's actually airing on Nickelodeon, and it's aimed at really young kids. And it's like a kids show with some Star Trek stories and like the first couple episodes, like there's a whole epi- a whole part of an episode where they're playing with the transporter, trying to figure out what it is, but it's all a mechanism so that if I'm a 
five-year-old kid today, I don't have to go watch 80 hours of Captain Kirk from a 1960s TV show to know what a transporter is. Like, I can show you with a cool Nickelodeon cartoon what that is. Mm. Are you going to dive into that? Have this about that? So I don't know about that one. So right now, it's, it, this is, it's so hard, right? Because I think there was a moment where, like, after Star Trek Beyond, the movie aired, there was like, and that was like, what, 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, Star Trek is done. Like, this is the body of work of Star Trek. And I'm going to dive in, and I can look at things in their entirety. And then Discovery came out in 2016, 2017. And now, like, in the middle of this year, there will be five brand new Star Trek episodes all airing like the same within the same time. They're making so much more Star Trek and some of it discovery lower decks. Those are in my random episode generator to pull out and review in the podcast. But Star Trek Picard is not, I'm not going to look at that one in my podcast. It's an adventure story or whatever. It's not an examination of leadership in there. And, uh, and it's also hard with the newer TV because with Star Trek, you can literally go on to Netflix or whatever and be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch that episode. Cool. That was fun. With the new stuff, like you have to watch it in order and because it's all part of a bigger story and the episodes don't stand on their own. It's just a different product. And uh, it's made it challenging for my podcast format. <laughs> I think you can do all the Star Trek series and find one little lesson. Even the prodigies on Nickelodeon, you can find stuff there too. One of the things I think is actually they do have a kind of cool leadership story that's developing, but it's like it's it's slowly unfolding over many episodes. And so what I'm thinking of doing is after the first season is complete is not doing individual episodes, but doing like all of season one. Like I'm going to tell we're going to look at season one and pull out stuff from that because I I was worried with Lower Decks because it's a 24 minute runtime for each episode um, and I, but I had some great stuff I was like I don't know if I'm going to have enough content to do a whole episode on this but 24 25 minute long episodes my podcast episode was almost 40 minutes because there was so much to talk about so good so well done if you were doing like 40 minutes you could have like okay part one part two there you go. Yeah, yeah. Just just break it up in there, but no, it's, it's great. It's it's a it's a very fast paced gotcha. uh, show. Like I feel like I, I I don't know. There's enough money in the world that they well, one they would never hire me. But there's not enough money in the world to be a voice actor for that show because they never shut up and they never have a chance to breathe because they have to squeeze so much and absolutely it's just so much that they're doing so fast. But the storytelling's awesome. The animation is gorgeous and for me the leadership lessons that i can pull out are i mean next level good it is (laughs) so well done (laughs) true so now we're moving on to the part where what's type of the like workshops you have developed that people have hired you for based on your star step leadership yeah so that's a that's the best part of my favorite things that that I get to do. And now, um, you know, we're recording this in early 2022. And so in-person stuff is kind of starting to happen again in, in very controlled ways. Um, but so I, I, I do really three, um, three kind of categories of things. So I have short workshops. Um, I do speaking engagements that come out and then I can do a one-on-one or small group coaching all based on Star Trek. And one of the workshops that I have such a great time doing is teaching the basics of project management. So um, this is out of what we call PMBOK or the Project Management Book of Knowledge. Um, getting, I'm going a little geek on you here. But you know, talking about just core things about work breakdown structures and dependencies and tracking your, your resources and just the basics of project management. But I do it all based on scenes out of Star Trek Four, the one with the whale in there and just being able to talk about how you know Kirk does this and what he's doing here is walking through a work breakdown structure where he's put this out and then assigning his resources based on available work for these things to happen. I have a talk 
that I do um, that I'll actually be giving at PodFest um, here in May. I'm really excited to be uh, have been selected as a speaker there. But it's about defining what success means to you. Um, you know, and, and so like for this, you know, talking about I talk about it with people professionally. You know, what is success? But like in the world of podcasting, is is success being Joe Rogan? You know, or having a million downloads per episode? Because if it is, there's like three successful people in the whole industry or is success something that you define right where i'm successful because i touched this many people i made this impact or whatever and i base that on star trek oh i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead the post success is really key there yeah yeah it's like why are you doing this thing why does it matter to you and how do you measure it and how do you make it be meaningful and, so, and Captain Kirk does this again Kirk in this one but does that in Star Trek 2 where he talks about he doesn't believe in a no win scenario you know so Starfleet has defined success for what a captain is and he doesn't believe in it so he set up his own he cheats and does some really you know very Captain Kirky things to make it happen but he defines his own success in there and what happens but my favorite thing I do is one on one in small group coaching where I get on Zoom with people or go in and I, I talk kind of back to what we were talking about earlier with the issue discussion decision and action I asked them, what issues are you experiencing as a manager as a leader what are the problems you're having where do you want to develop and then how can we dive into my toolbox of stuff from Star Trek you know and do that and, and, and that's where I can really turn the dial up or down like if somebody's really into Star Trek like we can really lean heavy like I've got this one client I've worked with where like we actually have a rank structure for his managers, and as they as they achieve that, like, he's all about it, right? Like that's the thing. cool. I work with another client, and she's not as into Star Trek. She likes to ease the the idea of it. So it's a thing I'll pull out. You know, oh, and that's what they're in this episode. But most of what we talk about is just more general coaching um, kind of stuff that we do. But for me, I love like I have a real passion around helping people do things that are great and that they're capable of doing and i get to use star trek i get to use star trek to help make it happen yeah i feel like with me like i'm so easy to talk to i can just bounce on different subjects and i want to be like maybe a consultant one day i don't know maybe i'll be like an idea like an idea generation that's what i kind of like i like bouncing ideas talking about it talking about how we're going to achieve it if we do decide on this, you know, what's the money going to look like? You need to finance this if you need this. Like, I I, I really like that kind of stuff. So, it's, it just comes really free to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a great skill. You know, and I, I worked, uh, when I was doing working in television, I worked with the marketing people quite a bit. And with one company I was with, I was actually their chief of marketing, um, which I was not qualified <laughs> to be at the time, but I figured it out. Uh, really quick, but it's it's that right. It's 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 learning how to ask questions. It's learning how to encourage people to think, you know, innovatively and differently. And there and the cool thing is when you dive into it, there's tools that can help with that. You know, I mean, you can look and learn how to do an affinity diagram through brainstorming, or utilize a fishbone diagram to break stuff out, and just these models and stuff that are there. That again, I get to talk about through Star Trek, which is cool. But there's a there's a real need oh, yeah. because because what happens is whether they're creative, whether they're just people at work plugging and chugging through whatever, people get these blinders on and they stop seeing the world around them and stop thinking innovatively. And then someone like you can come in, guide them, facilitate them, ask, ask really good questions oh, yeah. and stuff to so, force them to take those blinders off. I, like, I know some of my friends like, you ask, why are you asking me questions? Like, well, it's nice to be informed. I like to know things. If I'm yeah. you, I like to be informed of things in your life. So, so yeah, sometimes like I, I get into a point where they talk about it. They didn't want to talk about it, but I talked some enough that they gave me a glimpse, and that's all I want. Yeah, well, I think you know, I, I, I there's a lot of there's a lot of platitudes and cliches and sayings, but one of my favorites is that you know we were given two ears and one mouth, yeah. act accordingly. But <laughs> but also on that, like I believe that as long as I'm talking, like if I'm talking, I will never learn anything because I'm just spouting. We we learn when we listen, you know, and uh, and and. and Gosh, I mean, shame on us if we're not lifelong learners, okay. I think. 
Well, we're not lifelong, but we can be in the moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tim, yeah, we can learn it, <laughs> but then we forget it. Right, yeah, we can relearn. That's a lifelong piece. Yeah. <laughs> Get too old and start relearning some things. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, with leadership as a lens and, you know, the Star Trek fandom, is there any particular take you want people to know about that the lens is actually very operable in their own life outside of the leadership you can take in your own life your own self-discipline absolutely that's such a great question because like i'm just applying this concept of a lens to star trek it applies to everything i think that everything that's out there in the world we can we can learn from um and we can we can choose to better ourselves through um it's a skill i've developed over a really long time i prefer to do it with star trek but i do with music a lot too you listen to a song and you're like this song made me feel this way or it said this thing or it taught me this thing and then i can apply this in that way but all in all i think that it's not just about applying the lens it's about having your brain your mindset set right where you're you're open you're open to learning and you're open to you're open to understanding and accepting that what you think and what you think you know isn't necessarily right or all there is to know you know and having that humility that other ideas are just as valuable if not more valuable but i think that you know i i i, I if i want going back to star wars right star wars is fantasy and action adventure but if you watch it with an intention to learn something, there are things to learn around leadership. There are things to learn around loyalty, around communication. Like there's real stuff in there, but it's just being intentional and like yeah. watching things in that way or listening to things in that way. And with me, I feel you know, I take everything by small steps. I like to plan it out. If something big is going to happen, I like to prepare for it mentally and then think about it and then set up time to actually do the action associate with the planning of it if i'm going to do this then i need to do this and if i need to do this this comes up so that would have to be a priority at another point you know stuff like that yeah exactly and i think just just the fact that you can know that about you and about life really and that happens that makes you more open to being successful and you're going to look at things in that way because i think other people come into stuff and they're just like oh yeah it's cool i'll roll with it whatever i'll figure it out yeah you're not gonna roll with it you're not gonna figure it out it's gonna roll right over you is what's gonna happen i mean if, it, if you let it right over you then you deserve not to figure it out <laughs> exactly <laughs> If you have a big snowball effect, or you're the Indiana Jones with the the classic trap of the giant boulder coming rolling down, it's like, well, you could have avoided that boulder, you could have avoided that pitfall, but, you know, you're in a bombless pit now, what you gonna yeah. do? Well, yeah, what now? What do you got? <laughs> oh, man. So, is there any, uh, in the closing statements that you want the audience to know about you or the leadership as a lens yeah i think you know i think kind of to, to wrap things up star trek paints a picture of a better future of a hopeful future and the way we get there is with us as people uh, being open and communicating better with each other and being stronger leaders and so i truly believe that my work with the starfleet leadership academy and with the people that i work with and i'm able to coach and mentor is I'm creating, I'm helping create these people that are going to bring us to that future that Star Trek offers where where we, we aren't worried about poverty anymore. We're not worried about hunger anymore, where we are united as a, as a, as a species and a people. That's the future that's painted, and we can get there by learning from it and just developing as leaders. And I am so, like, ridiculously honored that I'm able to be a part of making that happen for people. And again, it's the Starfleet okay. Leadership Academy, if anyone wants to look it up. And uh, there's lots of applications to not only Star Trek, other shows you can use in real life as comparisons for real life models. You know, when you think outside the box, or in this theory, inter intergalactic, 
to high hopes and high reaching goals that is beneficial but also has long lasting effects because that model that you put on that project that gets written somewhere someone yeah. reads that that you know like oh wait a second that might work they branch with an idea and use something they learned from that whatever they read it or or did an interview or a podcast set up. They would take it and apply it in a small application. But, you know, they could maybe one day you'll get credited in someone's interview. Say, oh, yeah, he inspired me to do this. This is where I got this idea and then I just went with it, you know? Definitely. And I know, like, for me personally, like we talk about, I talked about defining success. Like, if no one ever credited me or said my name ever, that's fine. As long as they're helping make the world a better place. Like, that's my success, right? That someone goes out and does something kind to someone, helps helps someone do um, something they didn't think they were capable of doing. Like, those are the things that just, I mean, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. It's the coolest thing ever to be able to be a part of. Oh, yeah. And, uh, if you feel like you're a business owner and need some leadership, Jeff is your guy. He'll help you out. He'll put you in the right direction. Blow your mind. Maybe fill your mind if, for Star Trek if you're not careful and how you want to approach it. But his passion and his leadership is very keen. And we've seen it on this episode of who he is, what he represents, and how he became to be the Star, the Star Trek guru of space. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you. MC Anime has been such, it's been a blast. And I really appreciate you inviting me onto your show. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You're welcome. And uh, one last thing. What is the uh, social media that you're mostly on? Of course, the website you mentioned earlier, but you can also mention it again. Right, yeah, so jeffaken.com to catch me on everything, but Twitter and Instagram are the best to find me there, and I'm at Jeff T. Aiken on, uh, on both of those. Okay, you heard it straight from the source. Thank you so much. Thanks. Live long and prosper. Yes.